millions of people every day are reaping the health benefits of using cannabis oil, also known as CBD. This new product derived from hemp has fascinated doctors and scientists around the world for its powerful effects on the human body. If you are in need of alternative methods for health empowerment, please visit www.naturalhempoil.com. That's naturalhempoil.com. CBD is now legal in over 40 states, and our products are non-psychoactive and contain less than 0.3% THC levels. We also offer products for household pets. Naturalhempoil.com does not claim to treat cancer, PTSD, epilepsy, anxiety, insomnia, joint pain, eczema, or any chronic condition that you may have been diagnosed with. Please consult with a doctor before you take CBD. Results may vary, so give our natural CBD a try at www.naturalhempoil.com. That's naturalhempoil.com. Visit naturalhempoil.com. That's naturalhempoil.com. When it comes to stubborn belly fat, we're all searching for a miracle pill. Generally, you have to use multiple products that target belly fat differently to manage excess weight around the stomach. Some products may focus on abdominal exercises or dietary changes, while others might focus on boosting metabolism or controlling cravings. But believe it or not, I may have found a solution that removes the need for juggling through multiple weight management products. It's called Belly Trim, and it's more effective at targeting belly fat, enhancing metabolism, and promoting a toned midsection better than most weight management products I've seen typically found on store shelves. Tens of thousands of five-star reviews back up the notion that Belly Trim is not only a breakthrough in a bottle, but that it also removes the need for us to use countless diet pills and fat-burning supplements. But there's more. If you place your order for Belly Trim now, you'll also receive 51% off free VIP live health and fitness coaching for life, two free new ebooks titled Top 10 Foods That Burn Belly Fat, and Top 10 Exercises to Reduce Belly Fat, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee, and last but not least, free shipping. Simply go to www.trimwithus.com. That's www.trimwithus.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's www.trimwithus.com. Order now. Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. Talk to enough people, and you'll soon realize nearly everyone's shocked at their recent electricity bills. Some studies reveal energy costs have skyrocketed by as high as 60% in as little as two years. That's why tens of thousands are installing this magical little device from SavePowerBills.com to help slash their energy bills. This sophisticated gadget stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your appliances and electronics. Simply plug it into your home wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Countless five-star reviews back up the notion that this device is one of the most efficient ways to save money while beating the greedy power companies. But there's more. If you order now, you'll also receive 65% off, fast shipping within the USA, hassle-free returns, and last but not least, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee. Just go to SavePowerBills.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's SavePowerBills.com. Something wicked is coming this way, and only fools are ignoring the signs. So it's time you became a financial prepper like thousands of others. Gold can travel anywhere. It's international. It's its own currency. Allocate to gold now, the timeless safe haven asset. Open an IRA with noble gold investments to physically hold coins and bars and let real, tangible gold, not just paper, save your portfolio as the economy burns again. Right now, Noble Gold Investments offers a free 3-ounce silver American virtue coin with every qualified IRA. Just use the promo code GOLD to claim your free coin and secure your family's financial future. Go to noblegoldinvestments.com now. 
now. NobleGoldInvestments.com Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Investing in precious metals, including gold, involves risks. Consult with your tax attorney or financial professional before making an investment decision. Hello, everyone. I think we're finally live. Well, I am so excited to have our guest, veteran news correspondent, award-winning news correspondent, war correspondent, Lara Logan, uh, host of Fox Nation. Now, there was a lot of backlash against her uh, in late November for her comments on Dr. Anthony Fauci. So we're going to get into that. Um, her, her thoughts on that controversy, her real thoughts on Dr. Fauci and what's going on now. Is she still with Fox? What are her thoughts on journalism in 2022? Uh, we'll jump into all of it. So before I bring her right on live here, I'm going to shout out the sponsor of my coverage today, which is Noble Gold. It's a new year and not much has changed. Houses are selling in a week. Interest rates are at zero. Our government is still borrowing money. Sorry, printing money. Five trillion dollars in new money to be exact. What could possibly go wrong? Meanwhile, consumer confidence hit a 10-year low and inflation hit 6.8% with part of the U.S. seeing rates as high as 8%. Something's not adding up. So what can you do? You can play safe. Putting some of your assets in precious metals will keep your money away from the volatility of the markets and inflation and let you sleep at night. This month, Noble Gold is giving away a Free one-tenth ounce solid gold American Eagle coin with any qualifying plan you start. So talk to an expert at Noble Gold and they'll run through the options for keeping your money safe. No pressure, no hassle, no call centers. Just a chance to speak to someone who knows what they're talking about for once. How refreshing would that be? Call them at 877-646-5347 or visit their website, noblegoldinvestments.com. Link in description. That is noblegoldinvestments.com. And with That being said, I'm so excited to bring on Lara Logan live. You can ask her your questions as well. Hello, Lara. Hey, thank you so much for having me, Ivory. Thanks for coming on. Um, I'm a fan of yours. My viewers are a fan of yours. And we love you as a real journalist. And it was uh, fascinating to see all the backlash on your comments about Dr. Anthony Fauci in late November. So how are you doing now? You know, I'm doing great, actually. Um, What can I tell you about that? This is not my first rodeo, right? (laughs) So the great part about being targeted like early on um, is that I have had time to learn a lot about these tactics and the pressure that, you know, your employers or the network or whatever comes under and how how they use uh, these moments to further their own um, political agenda. And, you know, it's not hard to see, right? Look in every direction. You can see uh, bodies on the battlefield of uh, Dr. Fauci and uh, the so-called pandemic. Um, and and so I sort of, I feel in a way that it's kind of like a gift because um, it's an opportunity for me to uh, show that I actually do stand for what I say I stand for and that I do uh, mean the things that I say and that I'm willing, you know, I'm willing to pay a price myself. And I think that the really important part just for me personally is that um, I've been doing this for 35 years, okay? I'm 50, almost 51 years old. And, uh, the you know, the reality that we're dealing with here is that this is a very serious situation, and I understand why um, some people don't like the comparisons uh, between uh, Fauci and Dr. Joseph Mengele, who's, you know, who's um, evil, 
nature and the terrible, terrible things that he did are just um, horrific beyond any measure. And I would never, uh, it's funny because um, I would never want that to hurt or offend anybody. But when the same people are saying they're offended and they were not offended by uh, years of calling Trump Hitler um, and likening anyone who voted for Trump to a Nazi and so on and so on. You know, the, the double standard there is very obvious. Um, people see it for themselves or don't see it, whatever they want. And um, how I feel is that there is a lot about uh, Dr. Fauci that isn't common knowledge. There is a lot about his history. There is a lot about this particular pandemic. I am someone who grew up in Africa and Dr. Fauci's role um, in the HIV epidemic and in um, in AZT and the clinical trials um, of AZT and the development of a, a drug that was um, supposed to be treating um, this virus and that was a panacea for HIV sufferers and yet it mimicked the progression of the disease. So you had how many hundreds of thousands of gay men and Africans who died as a result of that. And boy, guess who was the person responsible? And guess who was the person that was uh, doing the clinical trials on uh, black foster children, some of them babies as young as 29 days old? Take a look at the evidence that's been reported on by CBS, by NPR, by NBC, but of course, years ago, right? And so we have very convenient memories in this country. And my, my uh, personal belief is uh, that we have a right to know everything. We have a right to question everything. And this is a free country. Last time I checked, First Amendment is still in place. And uh, if I don't stand for that, then I don't really stand for anything at all. And principles are not bumper stickers. You don't get you know, to pick and choose. They are what they are. And so I, I have, uh, of course, a great uh, sympathy and understanding for anyone who is genuinely offended um, because of the history. But I also... Um, I also uh, note the double standard here. It's only applied in one direction ever. And I also note um, that there's a lot that we don't know. And there are literally countless doctors who have told me that their personal belief is that Fauci is the biggest, will go down ultimately in history, once everything is known, will go down as you know, possibly the biggest mass killer ever. And so when you have people that have that level of concern, that seems to me a legitimate uh, subject to report on. And those were the doctors you, you must have been making reference to in that controversial clip from from Fox News. Um, and I want to play that clip for the viewers, for the ones who haven't seen what we're talking about. There was so much uh, so many headlines about this clip. I didn't even read a single one. So I'm not even like, you know, I don't pay attention to that anymore. That's, I just don't that's good. I don't care. I do the same I thing. I don't care. I care about the people. I right. care about anyone who's, you know, genuinely uh, um, hurt or feels uh, wounded by it. But I don't care about the rest of it, the politics of it. I mean, half of these people, you know, are not even. Tell me the last time the Anti-Defamation League did anything that was genuine and honest. You know, um you know, there's a lot of Jewish people, for, uh, including a Holocaust survivor who was interviewed by Christine Dolan, who said they think Fauci's uh, is. They agree. And some of them even think that he's worse. So let's let's play this clip. And by the way, Dr. Fauci responded to, to you directly. And we can play that clip, too. Yes. Yeah, small little man. 
small <laughs> little man. I don't care. Um, so this clip, this, uh, I found this clip online. Uh, now a lot, the outlets like MSNBC showed a lot shorter version. So I showed the longer version to show your full context. <laughs> okay. Um, this Thank you. Had, someone added background music, but the, I didn't <laughs> add that background music, but anyway, Was it here, ominous? It here it is. Well, it's very simple, Pete, right? You just have to look at Africa. They didn't have the death rates from COVID that were predicted. And what is happening over time is that the entire response to COVID and everything that we were told about it from the beginning is being exposed and it's falling apart. The lies are coming apart. And really now there's no justification for putting people out of their jobs or forcing mandates for a disease that ultimately is very treatable. It's cheap to treat. Medicines are available all over the world and it has death rates that compare very much to seasonal flu. And so in that moment, what you see on Dr. Fauci, this is what people say to me, that he doesn't represent science to them. He represents Joseph Mengele. Dr. Joseph Mengele, uh, the, doc, the Nazi doctor who did experiments on Jews during the Second World War and in the concentration camps. And I am talking about people all across the world are saying this because the response from COVID, what it has done to countries everywhere, what it has done to civil liberties, the suicide rates, the poverty, it has obliterated economies. The level of suffering that has been created because of this disease is now being seen in the cold light of day, i.e. the truth. And people see that there's no justification for what is being done. So as they're being exposed and the control is slipping away, Lo and behold, another variant surfaces. So there we have it. And there was so much uproar. Um, MSNBC called you a right winger who is leading a death cult because you are encouraging people to go go towards uh, things that aren't safe, like go away from get from the needle, getting in the arm and uh, to basically right wingers are leading to their own death. And MSNBC went on and on. But anyway, there's a whole lot of uproar about this. Um, OK, I've got to show you Dr. Fauci's reaction and see what you think. OK, well, Chris, I think the responses with so many people throughout the country and the world are responding to that absolutely preposterous and disgusting comparison that she make. It's an insult to all of the people who suffered and died under the Nazi regime in the concentration camps. I mean, it's it's unconscionable what she said. Forget about the fact that she was being totally slanderous to me and, as usual, had no idea what she was talking about, saying that it's as benign as flu. When did ever influenza kill 770,000 Americans? So not only is she being slanderous and disrespectful, to so many people who were killed in the concentration camps by Dr. Mengele, but she absolutely has no idea what she's talking about. She's completely incorrect in everything she says. What I find striking, Chris, is how she gets no discipline whatsoever from the Fox network, how they can let her say that with no comment and no disciplinary action. I'm astounded by that. Wait, do you have no discipline? Because I feel like I'm being told that you haven't appeared on Fox since. No, I I haven't appeared on Fox since. And uh, that is absolutely true. And, you know, uh, look, Fauci is honestly, if, if he wasn't responsible for so much suffering, 
um, all across this country and all across the world, then he would just be pathetic, you know, because he's there like some tyrannical little dictator demanding action. And he keeps saying over and over again, she doesn't know what she's talking about. And she's so wrong about everything, hoping that the more you repeat it, the more true it becomes. Right. And that's what they've done with all of their lies. Um, they think that just by repeating it and amplifying it across the media, that that somehow makes it true. And, you know, he knows exactly what I'm talking about when I say that it's like flu. I mean, when you look at the death rates and you look at the survival rates, it is very much like flu. And that's according to the CDC's own figures. I've had COVID twice, right? It's perfectly survivable. It's perfectly treatable. There is no disease on earth where you have a, what, more than 99% survival rate where you demand that everybody give up their liberty, liberty and their sovereignty and that they... Um, and that they somehow have to, you know, do this or they're all going to die. I mean, we have seen one prediction after another from Dr. Anthony Fauci turn out to be absolutely incorrect. And let's think about what he's done. Let's think about all of the people. For example, how many elderly people went into basically solitary confinement in the nursing homes, right, who died without ever feeling their loved ones hold them ever again. Who can forget those videos of elderly people in the nursing homes reaching for the, the glass, screaming in pain, right? How many elderly people went into early dementia? How many children have been beaten at home? Some of them to death, in fact, including in South Africa, somebody who I know, who I love very much, her niece being beaten to death by an abusive husband at home. She was a young girl in her 20s. How many more? How many children have lost their education? How many children have we lost from the education system? How many people have been pushed into poverty? How many small businesses completely and utterly eviscerated? The level of suffering, never mind the deaths. What, what about the fact that they won't talk about um, early treatment, how being early in your treatment and being aggressive and having a healthy immune system and living healthily, how important these are to people all over the world, how they demonized drugs that were cheap and were available all across the world already, that it could have prevented so many deaths, how they did all of these things knowingly, never mind the gain-of-function research that Anthony Fauci was responsible for and very much involved in, right? And all of the things that we still don't know about it. Never mind, on top of all of that, let's just think for a second here, right? I mean, uh, uh, we're not even done with the level of suffering that has been inflicted on people. That is, in many cases, when you look at Sweden, many doctors argue that it was completely unnecessary. Look at the growing number of doctors who are standing up, who are risking everything, absolutely everything. And, you know, the only really truly egregious thing uh, that to me is so fundamentally dishonest that needs to be addressed is Fauci suggesting that I don't care or I don't respect the uh, the Holocaust and the history and the suffering of the people and the terrible, terrible, terrible suffering that Dr. Joseph Mengele inflicted on so many people deliberately and knowingly, right? But what do you call it when uh, Dr. Fauci is doing experiments on black foster children and babies, when you're forcing medication into the most vulnerable who have nobody to fight for them and nobody to defend them and you know you're going to get away with it, right? 
you know you're going to get away with it and you do it all over again. You push treatments that are not necessarily treatments that might make people more, uh, more ill. What about denying all of the people who have been uh, affected by the vaccines, the growing number of dead, the growing number of significantly injured? I mean, to, to me, um, what I encounter from people all the time, whether they're doctors or immunologists or scientists, hemorrhagic scientists, people, ordinary people who've been affected, is that there are legions of people who see Dr. Fauci that way. And I don't know what kind of despot he is, how protected he is, who the institution is that's protecting him, right? That that thinks that they can come after anyone who dares criticize him and uh, and put the hammer down. You know, that's just not how it works in a free country. And of course, there's a price to be paid for that. And my only thing is I want people to know, I, I have been recognized um, with many awards um, by the Jewish community over the years for the work that I have done. Um, And some of it related to the Holocaust, but I don't need to defend myself against that because I don't have a prejudice bone in my body. I don't have a hate filled bone in my body. And I, um, and I have the, I have nothing but respect for that history. I am one of the few people who has been speaking out about the fact that the Holocaust isn't even taught in many countries all over the world about how we are rewriting history. And what everybody is missing in this whole conversation is what happened right after I said that. You know what happened? The head of the EU came out and said it was time to talk about forced mandates, enforcing those across the EU, which would mean... Having to repeal what? The Nuremberg Code. Who was that written for? Who was the Nuremberg Code written for? What is the most sacred law that people paid for with their lives, right? In order to protect all of us so that nothing as evil and terrible as the Holocaust ever happened again. And when you look at how far we have come with this, and when you look at what's still being proposed, how they're, they're uh, about to force children who are more at risk in some cases from uh, the vaccines uh, than they are from the disease itself, right? You're going to uh, censor, you're going to suppress information, you're, you're going to persecute doctors that provide treatments that work, you are going to um, enforce uh, lockdowns and other things that you know don't work. I mean, you know, I don't even have to try hard to eviscerate uh, Dr. Fauci, right? You really don't even have to try hard. I'm not even in second year. I got to be honest, Ivory. Like I'm, I haven't even ramped up, right? I'm not even worked up about it because he is honestly the smallest of small men. And unfortunately, he's in a position of power. And there are people who have been deceived by him and who have been living in fear as a result. He has destroyed countless lives. And so um, I couldn't care less what he says about me. I really couldn't care less because I know there is only one truth, only one truth, and it is not on his side. I think you're right that a lot of people do not know a lot of his history. And uh, I didn't know the part that you said about about his history with AIDS in Africa. Um, Oh, yes. And don't forget, I'm an African. Okay, that's right. And there are people who will say I don't have the right color skin to be allowed to call myself an African. And that's nonsense. I was born and raised there. And you know what? I was there in the orphanages. I was there reporting on uh, the children who were born with HIV and the lives that they uh, lived, the short lives that they lived. I stood in the graveyards. Right. 
Um, Many times over when they would, on a Sunday night, they would dig the graves for the babies that they knew would die that week. And let me tell you, they stretched as far as the eye could see. And I, uh, I feel very strongly about that. And on top of that, if it had happened, you know, on any other continent, but Africa, it's fair to ask the question if we would have forgotten so quickly. Right. I'm, uh, reading history, history.com on Joseph Mengele. Um, one is, it says, in the guise of medical treatment, Mengele injected or ordered others to inject thousands of inmates with everything from petrol to chloroform to study the chemicals effect. So he, he pre- pretended it was, he was treating them, but he was actually studying them. And I think, I think, uh, I think that's what you're referencing that with Fauci in Africa. People can make up their own mind. What I'm actually referencing with him in Africa too is not just that, but they knowingly, they knowingly um, literally told people to take AZT knowing that it was killing them. Literally go back and look at the words of Larry Kramer in a letter that he wrote uh, to Fauci, where he says much worse things uh, than what I said. Go, go back and remember, think about the beginning of the HIV, uh, you know, um, pandemic when, when you, uh, epidemic, when you, when you go back and you remember, we were told to wear masks. We were told that, you know, you couldn't be around anyone with HIV because you would catch it. Right. We were told all kinds of things that they knew were not true. But the worst thing of all was, was for, um, all of those families to watch their loved ones, suffer such long, slow, agonizing deaths. And Fauci knew all along that the AZT was poisoning them. And they, uh, and that was, again, go back to the clinical trials. The documents are online. Go back to NPR, to CBS, to NPC, NBC, and, uh, and to uh, all of the others, the plethora of reporting on that. They were not fans of Dr. Anthony Fauci back then. You know, this, uh, this godlike status that they're trying to convey to him that's also based on lies. It's just, it's ridiculous. And by the way, MSNBC, come on. Are you telling me the people who still won't admit that they uh, have reported everything wrong from Russia collusion to uh, January 6th? It's one lie after another, after another, after another. I mean, give me a break. Okay. I just, uh, I couldn't care less what they say about me besides which i mean look at the people that they have look at the things that some of their people say on air and i mean uh why do i care right exactly okay i gotta share this one article from washington post uh believe it or not fox news once new shame and it's a, it's a total hit piece on Fox, um, jumping off of the controversy around you. But at the end here, um, it says, I asked two communication staffers at Fox News to respond on the record to where the network brass draws the line these days and whether an apology for Logan's comments was coming, but they wouldn't do so, noting only that Logan is an unpaid guest who hasn't been on the air in recent days. Uh, are you an unpaid guest or how does that work for Fox news? Yes, that's true. Um, but not actually, Fox nation, right? But it's all Fox corp. <laughs> well, I mean, yes. And you're, you're right. I re- However, I would say to you that I do, uh, and have done a lot of work, um, 
on Fox News over the last few years. And I have, I really enjoyed it actually, because so many of the um, hosts and anchors are just, you know, are really, um, and they're really amazing. And they have been uh, so gracious with me and uh, we respect each other, right? Um, but I would say to you that it is a, it's a lot of work and I have never been, um, I am not paid for that. I am, I am, I was paid to do my series on Fox Nation um, and there's an obvious benefit there. You know, if you're out there and you're, um, I'm just a reporter. That's what I do. And I, and so I, I want to be reporting as much as I possibly can. And um, I know that people appreciate that and respect that. And, um, and so um, I've never uh, pushed um, beyond that. And I also understand that being out on Fox News helps to drive viewers uh, to the show on Fox Nation. And that's good. And so, um, you know, I have uh, I've been very happy doing that. So I, I love how your Twitter says nobody owns me. Um, and you're also still listed as hosting or on your Twitter as hosting your Fox Nation show. Are you still with Fox or what's going on? Well, you know, I don't know at this point. Um how that's going to turn out. I'm not very good at updating uh, those things. I think you can probably find a uh, Facebook page that still has me listed as a 60 minutes correspondent. I just, um, CBS for years. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's been years um, now that I haven't been with them. So I just, you know, I don't really care about the details. Of course I'll update it. I want it to be um, accurate. And when we figure it out, um, I will, uh, I will definitely do that. But um, what did Fox say to you? Uh, what What did Fox say to you after after that controversy? You know, um, the people at Fox are so used to dealing with um, these kind of attacks. I mean, of course, they take any complaints very seriously. They're a corporation; they have to, right? They don't have any choice. But I've been very uh, I think I've been very lucky to work uh, where I have been at Fox Nation because contrary to what most people believe, you know, Fox is so demonized and it's pathetic, right? The Washington Post is just ridiculous for um, even taking that line because if they, for one single second, applied the same standards to themselves that they do to Fox, you know, um, the picture would look very, very different, right? Coming out and writing one article about how you may have gotten some things wrong about Russia Really? After how many years? And it, it didn't take a brain surgeon to see um, the lies from the very beginning, right? If you didn't have a political lens, if you actually were just interested in figuring out the truth regardless, it was not hard to do. And there were so many opportunities along the way. So it's just, it's the sort of the height of hypocrisy. And um, and so for me, I just, um, you know, I'm I'm kind of, like I said in the beginning, this is not my first rodeo. I have very few expectations of corporations. They have their masters and, you know, they have their agenda and they have um, their issues that they have to pay attention to. And I respect that. And um, I have been given absolute freedom in the years that I have been there to report every single minute that I have ever reported. I have had absolute freedom to do that. And if that continues, if that is uh, how it will continue, I'd be happy, I'd, I'd more than happy to keep contributing um, in any way that I can. But I do need to do my own thing, right? I mean, um, I need to, that independence is very important. And you know what actually is, 
even more important to me than that is I want to fight for real journalism. I want to be a home and a place where um, journalists can go when they don't have a hope of being hired by one of the networks because, for example, they report accurately on Antifa and that automatically disqualifies them from ever getting hired. You know, um, if we surrender, and a lot of people want to say, oh, mainstream media is so biased and therefore we should only, you know, we should, um, the, the death of mainstream media is what we want. And I think what they miss in that is the very people who are exploiting and using mainstream media and journalists um, are the ones who want the media to collapse in on itself because they don't control all of the journalists. There are still great journalists out there who um, maybe, you know, aren't in a position to stand up. And um, we're not all in, in that position, right? And, um, and they don't want those people to have a, a home. So what they want is us to move to all forms of new media and digital media and in a technological age where they control everything, right? They can just erase you. They erased, like they erased Marjorie Taylor Greene or whoever it happens to be. They decide and boom, you're gone. And they have absolute control. And so to me, I think it's really important that we don't forget what the standards of real journalism are meant to be and what real journalism looks like at its best. And I know I've done, um, I've done, uh, some great work in my life. I'm very proud of it. Um, there aren't a lot of people who spent all those years at 60 Minutes and, you know, who come out of nowhere and from nowhere and um, uh, and reach that level. And I do my job the same way today that I did it at 60 Minutes. You know, with this, um, the, nothing has changed. And I'm very proud of the work I've done since 60 Minutes. And I'm not done, right? I'm not ready to go and disappear somewhere and, and, and teach. I want to do a course about all the, I don't know what you can say on YouTube, but all the shit they didn't teach you in journalism school, right? <laughs> this stuff. And I, I want it to be a home for all the journalists who've been mugged by reality along the way or discarded along the way, because long before we knew about cancel culture, the facts led them in, you know, to a place that was contrary to some of the narratives before I even realized that there were narratives. Yeah. And, um, and, and I really think that there are, uh, I know there are a lot of great journalists out there and we have to fight for what journalism should be at its best. It's fascinating, Laura, because in journalism school in 2011 at Syracuse University, one of the most prestigious J schools, we were reading about the threat of the meta narrative uh, that can form and, and, uh, and pull journalists into its groove where you you're reporting a story you're trying to create the story along the narrative line rather than letting the facts lead you where they might and that narrative has grown so strong now it's so it's, you get canceled if you don't follow it and you get fired by your news corporation yeah former journalism corporations okay so i think the best way to address that is to steal from my old boss, Jeff Fager at 60 minutes, you know, I was doing a story and I actually think this may be the story. One of the, one of the very first stories that really put me in the Obama administration's crosshairs. Right. Um, and it was a story about, uh, Al Qaeda in Afghanistan. 
And interestingly, it was a long time ago, still during the Obama administration, when they were saying that there were only a few hundred Al-Qaeda left in the world and they were decimated and on the run. And they created this fake thing called core Al-Qaeda in Afghanistan, whereas there was no, you know, Al-Qaeda doesn't define itself by geography. The number two was in, or, or three was in Yemen, Iman al-Wahishi, you know, and he was the head of external operations, one of the most important people in Al-Qaeda, because he was responsible for proliferating the ideology worldwide. And uh, he was even killed uh, in Yemen by the U.S. He didn't, he wasn't even in Afghanistan or Pakistan. So um, these were completely fake uh, narratives that were um, so dishonest that we were in shock, right? And so one of the things I did is I I kept the battlefield reports from Afghanistan f- I, for two and a half years, and I literally added up on an almost daily basis how many Al Qaeda were killed, injured, and uh, arrested. And you know, so it, and that was just the beginning of our reporting. We ended up going to Al Qaeda. We had Afghan colleague of mine great journalist go to one of the al-Qaeda training camps in Kunar province in the northeast and we obliterated their narrative their false narrative with the truth and showed oh wow exactly what we know to be still be true today that many al-Qaeda never left Afghanistan and they're still there and they are still a threat to the United States and so on and so on but when we were doing that story I was talking to my boss about it and um you know he said how's it going and I gave him an update and he said to me you know don't push it. I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, don't, you know, never forget, you are not an attorney. You're not a lawyer in a court of law trying to prove a case. That is not your job. You are not an activist. You are a journalist. And if it's true, then you will find the the information and the ability, the way to tell that story and get to the truth. And if you can't get to it right now, don't worry. We'll we'll do something else. We'll come back to it. But don't try to prove a case. And that was, you know, just one of the most valuable things that anyone had ever said to me, putting it like that, because I uh, I never forgot it. It's so important for us to realize what our role is as journalists. We have to figure out to the best of our ability, what the truth is, we have to tell it in a, you know, a compelling and meaningful way so that um, it, it actually reaches people. Otherwise, it's not even worth it, the time and effort. But most importantly, I believe that our job is to let people make up their own minds. So if I give you my opinion, my analysis, whatever you want to call it, that's distinct from when I am reporting to you what I, you know, understand and know to be the facts or what people um, say, who are involved say and so on and so on. And um, and so as long as you, you there's a you're distinguishing between those things, just like you have the op ed page right in the newspaper. I mean, people know that they're getting opinion and analysis, um, whereas it used to be right now when you read The New York Times and Washington Post and whatever. I mean, every line is infused with so much opinion and there's no attempt to even you know, balance that out with the opinion of the other side. Like you'll see, you know, devastating day for Trump at Ukraine impeachment trial, right? Well, only to some of the country, right? To half the country, um, it, you know, it was another day uh, of uh, of political theater, right? To um, delegitimize a democratically elected president and the choice of the people of this country. So, the, you know, it would be one thing if you read, you know, for 
millions of Americans, you know, today was confirmation of, you know, that President Trump is, you know, the devil himself, right? And and guilty. And but, you know, for millions more, this was, you know, another um sort of so, you know uh, stage in the in the ongoing saga to delegitimize a president that the elite and you know the left doesn't like you know whatever all right i'm just making it up but right. the point is that if you're going to infuse your your facts with so much opinion if you're balancing that out and presenting it as you know these people see it this way those people see it that way then then people are getting a a balanced picture that that portrays, you know, those opinions. Um, but you're not, right? I mean, that's not what people get anymore. So for me, I think I think that for I, I want to do a Bible. I'm going to do a journalist Bible, and I'm going to reach out to um, a bunch of other journalists to help me do this, right? Where um, each one of us we take on I don't know what they are, maybe the Ten Commandments, right? Of real journalism, and we talk about them, but you know, in a in a an interesting way, but the kind of book that everyone who's interested in being a journalist and wants to figure it out or is doing it on their own, that they have some sense of what those standards and um, ethics are that hold us to the core of um, what distinguishes real journalism from just rumor and innuendo and disinformation and misinformation and propaganda. Totally. Yeah. I mean, you learn in J school, at least I did that News analysis is there to help the viewers make sense of the facts that have already been reported. It, you usually jump off of an actual article and then give your own analysis and the viewers are understand that this is you making sense of some facts. And then there's propaganda, which is like that headline you said, devastating day for Trump, which is supposed to be, you know, it's posing as just the facts, but mm. um filtering them in a way you know, propaganda is when you, you select facts or only certain facts or make them up to mm. uh, fit the real purpose of persuasion. Yes. And you know, I would say Ivory, we've gone even way beyond that at this point to propaganda is one tool in information warfare, right? And we are in the midst right now of uh, an information war, like, I mean, we have never seen oh, yeah. in our lifetimes. And uh, what is what to me is very helpful to understand about it is that in information warfare, you have censorship like you're seeing now. Right. Um, that's one tool. Propaganda is another tool. But you also have disinformation. And um, you can look at something like whether it's January 6th or, for example, the Lincoln Memorial. Right. When Nick Sandman uh, was there, what did you have? You had a disinformation operation that was um, planned ahead of time and was executed for a specific purpose that actually created a completely false narrative. Now that one fell apart because there was a videotape, right? And um, and there was an independent journalist, Ronan, uh, um, sorry, Reason.com, um, who, uh, and, and another journalist who reported on that. So I mean, independent in the sense that they weren't owned. Um, but it's so interesting to me because I really studied that and I reported on that in my show on Fox Nation. Um, and if you break it down, it's pretty staggering, absolutely staggering. I mean, um, that guy, Nathan Phillips, you know, um, when it was proven that he wasn't a Vietnam vet, as he had said, the media immediately said, oh, he never said he was. He said he was a Vietnam era 
veteran. But actually, you know, um, uh, I used footage that showed him describing in detail in one of the many interviews he did in the past where he claimed to be a Vietnam veteran. And he was talking about being on the street and this woman spitting on him, you know, and how you know humiliating it was and how it felt. And he'll never forget that moment and blah, blah, blah. I mean, the guy was, uh, I mean, lying about everything, right? And of course, they're dramatically uncurious about that. But when you break these things down, you actually start to see the components of a very sophisticated information operation that requires different compartments. Because for these things to work, they have to be compartmentalized. So that, you know, if you break one part of it open, it doesn't reveal the whole operation. So, you know, um, no one asked questions like, for example, were there stands on the mall that day where all those Covenant kids were walking uh, when they were uh, allowed at the end of their rally to go sightseeing that weren't ordinarily there, that were selling um, MAGA gear at discounted prices, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know the answer to that question. Um, it was raised um, in my re reporting and research and you know, we didn't have the time uh, to drill down on that one detail, but what we, because we were really uh, focused on and, and just stunned by what we saw when we broke down that videotape. I mean, there were, there were people that were very evidently keeping a security perimeter, an operational perimeter around the black Hebrew Israelites, the people at the center of that whole false narrative, right? Making sure that that space was there so that when the Covenant boys came down, that you could actually, that they would, that they would, there was nothing to, to disrupt that contact that was planned. And there's actually a guy who's dressed all in black with a hoodie on a, one of those boards that has the one wheel that are very expensive with very expensive camera gear. And if you watch the whole tape, you'll actually see him circling the black Hebrew Israelites, inciting them, annoying them, and uh, and then engaging with the Covington boys. And every time they lose interest in this argument, he's uh, he's encouraging them. He's even doing this with his arms. He's re-engaging them. He's making sure that this conflict occurs. And there's there's so many examples of that that I, I won't you know take you down that rabbit hole. But when you start to break down information warfare, it's about much more than propaganda. And then you get to something like January 6th, right? And you see it there. And you see how we still don't know the truth. We still don't see the, the cameras. We don't know how many FBI agents were there. Look at the uh, Gretchen Whitmer, that whole uh, ridiculous so-called plot to kidnap her, right? What I know is in information warfare, the same people who fund, for example, Antifa will also fund the prowess and pair and the three centers and the authors. Why? Because that's how you control both sides of the narrative. That's how you create a problem so you can be the solution. That's how you basically lead the narrative. So, you know, for years, the Anti-Defamation League and Site Intel and these kind of people, they have been providing law enforcement with all this ev evidence of this growing threat of white supremacy. But when you actually break down the Intel reports, very often what you find is snapshots of something that one idiot online on some site said to another idiot online, right? Versus they'll tell you, oh, look at Don Lemon, right? He'll, they'll use a patsy like that. And they'll say, white men are the greatest terrorist threat to the United States of America. And then they'll come out with a report on it, right? The research document. Do you see all the components of information warfare that build a false narrative over time? 
And what, what nobody says, of course, is, oh, wait a minute. Uh, Islamic terrorists are fighting on how many continents? How many armies and nations of the world? How many Muslims are they killing every single day? You know, the body count isn't just in, uh, so, you know, Americans and so on and so on. Like, there's so much left out of these false narratives and so much information that is selectively uh, presented. It just becomes ridiculous um, in the end. But when they have the advantage of having um, the big microphone and the Super Bowl society, I call it, right, where they're not only are they going to report a false narrative like on Russia, but they're going to give themselves Pulitzer Prizes for it. And then they're going to make a movie about it. And then they're going to do how many books about it, right? And, and that's another part of it. The other thing that they do is they, um, they'll make a film uh, with, a book agent and a film agent who are both hardcore Democrats, but they're doing a film, say about, I don't know, like uh, the, the Benghazi boys, right? When they do their film about um, 15 minutes. Um, and what do they do? They do a film that all it does is reinforce their heroics. It pays them off. They're happy. And we know nothing more about what really happened in Benghazi. And now the Benghazi movie has been done. So it's over, right? And the Benghazi book, has been done. And so, like, I speak to um, actually a very committed Democrat who's also um, a diplomat who's been trying desperately to get um, his book published because he's he was very worried about what he saw in Benghazi and saw that being um, uh, replicated in other parts of the world in U.S. foreign policy. He can't even get anyone to have a real conversation about it because that's been handled now. Nobody cares. Wow. Yeah, uh, WikiLeaks exposed some of this pre-stage stuff that the Democrats were doing when they dropped oh, yeah. thousands of DNC emails. They sure did. Yeah. And boy, I just have to say for the record, I'm sorry to interrupt you, it's, it's, uh, it's time for us uh, to stop torturing Julian Assange to death. Oh, That's yeah. not right. It's not right. Um, you know, I mean, I just... Uh, it's, it's a dangerous precedent for journalism. And not only that, where are all the journalists and the media organizations, how much money did they make out of Julian Assange? But the, by the way, that's another thing they got Pulitzer's for, right? And now, uh, where are they? Silent. And that is an I mean, indictment. I mean, emails really embarrassed a lot of journalism organizations because they showed the, the collusion, the e just those raw email drops from the DNC showed the collusion between mm. the Democrats and the media and the pre-staged, pre-planned scripted interviews. It was incredible. I just Oh, and the leaking down. of the questions, right? The Donna Brazil stuff? Yeah, all of yeah. that. I, I mean, yeah, just One incredible. Late night show, it was like Jimmy Fallon or something. It, the entire conversation was pre-scripted. Everything everyone was going to say, it was stunning. We, we talked about it all in one of my latest videos on my website, link in description, by the way. So it's crazy. Well, you know, um, something I want to say is I didn't understand until I actually looked into this again for my Fox Nation series. I didn't understand how much journalism WikiLeaks actually did. I was uh, I was not a fan initially, and I... Um, and I did not even uh, regard them as journalists um, in the beginning. And it wasn't until I really worked with um, Jacob Applebaum, who was one of the pillars of WikiLeaks. He's one of the uh, creators of Thor, the um, secure software that was really used to move information securely for WikiLeaks. And um, 
I never, I had no idea until I really spent time with Jacob and learned about the inner workings of WikiLeaks, how much uh, journalism actually did go into what they did. And, and the media did a real disservice to WikiLeaks because they didn't acknowledge them and define them as journalists from the beginning. They were very quick to, you know, to occupy that hallowed ground, to take it for themselves and not to share it. And uh, that was really fundamentally dishonest, actually, because it gave, um, I mean, it gave the broader public a, a very distorted understanding of what WikiLeaks really did and who they were. And, um, and so I, um, you know, I had no, uh, there's no shame in admitting that you are wrong, right? I was wrong. I did not know and I did not understand. And I have, um, I've really um, come to respect um, much of what they've uh, done. And I, I really, truly, truly uh, think it will be one of the greatest shames of our lifetimes and the greatest indictment on us as journalists if we allow Julian Assange to die in uh, in this terrible, terrible way in Belmarsh Prison in the UK, denied um, any form of uh, real justice whatsoever. And to that end, by the way, Trevor uh, Fitzgibbon, a friend of mine, and Jacob Applebaum, now someone I, I, I consider um, a friend too, even uh, though, you know, I, I haven't known him all that uh, long. And um, these people were the pillars of WikiLeaks. And along with Julian Assange, they were all targeted with false allegations of rape and charges that were all dropped, right? Never, ever, ever went uh, to court or went anywhere. In fact, in Trevor's case, um, the attorney, state attorney general actually went to the extreme of writing that they could find no evidence to substantiate the charges. And Trevor, um, who lost everything, right? And he wasn't a friend of mine, a close friend um, before all of this happened. I knew him and I'd done a 60 minute story with his PR agency, but I didn't uh, know him all that well. And it was a very difficult thing for me as a, as a rape victim, right? I mean, I, I took such strength from all of the people who stood by me. Could you imagine if I, if I didn't stand by someone who was genuinely a victim of rape? And, um, and so that was, that was extremely hard for me, but I had to, I, that was another time I had to search inwards and say, okay, once I, you know, looked into it and to the best of my ability and with all of the available information and evidence, you know, I mean, Trevor has won all of his court cases suing his accuser who, um, who altered text messages and so on. And has since been forced to retract everything and, um, and, and, you know, and breaks the agreements that they make in court every time. And he's gone back and back and back. And he has been tortured that man. It's no, uh, it's not right. Uh, the truth is, you know, is really, really, really important. And, you know, the people um, who attack Trevor attack me and they say the most terrible things, <laughs> the yeah. most terrible, terrible things. But and there's a risk that I'm wrong. Right. There's always that risk. But if you if you don't stand up for those principles, you know, they they don't mean anything. Yeah. Being falsely publicly accused of rape or sexual oh, it's a death sentence for the living. It's traumatic. 
Millions of people every day are reaping the health benefits of using cannabis oil, also known as CBD. This new product derived from hemp has fascinated doctors and scientists around the world for its powerful effects on the human body. If you are in need of alternative methods for health empowerment, please visit www.naturalhempoil.com. That's www.naturalhempoil.com. CBD is now legal in over 40 states, and our products are non-psychoactive and contain less than 0.3% THC levels. We also offer products for household pets. NaturalHempOil.com does not claim to treat cancer, PTSD, epilepsy, anxiety, insomnia, joint pain, eczema, or any chronic condition that you may have been diagnosed with. Please consult with a doctor before you take CBD. Results may vary, so give our natural CBD a try at www.NaturalHempOil.com. That's www.NaturalHempOil.com. Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. That's why tens of thousands are using this amazing little device from SavePowerBills.com. It's a small but smart gadget that stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your electronics. Just plug it into your home's wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Order now to get 65% off plus many free bonuses before they sell out by going to SavePowerBills.com. That's SavePowerBills.com. Order now. Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. That's why tens of thousands are using this amazing little device from SavePowerBills.com. It's a small but smart gadget that stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your electronics. Just plug it into your home's wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Order now to get 65% off plus many free bonuses before they sell out by going to SavePowerBills.com. That's SavePowerBills.com. Order now. Violent crime across the U.S. has skyrocketed. Between mass shootings, homicides, kidnappings, burglaries, and carjacking, it's never been more vital to learn how to protect yourself. This is why tens of thousands are choosing the Fighter Flare Flashlight. The Fighter Flare Flashlight includes an ultra-bright 800-lumen light, powerful strobe lighting modes for self-defense, a glass-breaking hammer, a built-in power bank, solar-powered recharging, rope and wire cutter, siren, high and low LED lighting modes, and much more. Simply place your order now to get 66% off along with many other free bonuses before they sell out by going to www.fighterflare.com. Order now at www.fighterflare.com. Fighterflare.com. A human catastrophe is closing in. Nobody knows how far this one is going to go. You can feel the heat as tension is rising globally. War is expensive. Open a Noble Gold Investments IRA today, and you can claim a free 3-ounce silver American virtue coin. Just use the promo code GOLD. Go to NobleGoldInvestments.com now. Best performance may not be indicative of future results. Investing in precious metals, including gold, involves risks. Consult with your tax attorney or financial professional before making an investment decision. Attic. You know, I, I can't say it, it compares to right, but it's traumatic. It's very for, oh, and it happens uh, so easily in the media. In the media, loves to cover these allegations before they fully verify them. And there's been so many people yeah. who are wrongly accused in the media. And that's a that's a whole another story. No, let me tell you. Um, I mean, the man down. These um, these men who are falsely accused, you know, um, come very close to suicide. The ones that I have known. And, you know, in Jacob Applebaum's case, even though um, 
there are no charges against him or anything, you know, because that was really a false persecution. Um, he hasn't even been able to come back to the United States. He lives in Germany. So he's been in self-imposed exile for more than eight years. I mean, his mother is here. His, you know, she can't travel. It's like, um, it's, uh, it's really terrible what we, what we do to people, right? Oh, and um, your entire reputation is destroyed. Your life is destroyed. I mean, Trevor, he couldn't even get a job at Starbucks. Wow. Like you imagine you're a father, you have small children, you have, he had twins who were babies and a toddler and you, you can't even support your own family. I mean, um, your entire life, all of your relationships, your, your reputation, your integrity, I mean, it's obliterated. Yeah. It's obliterated. And, um, and that is, imagine if you're innocent, there's no way back for these men. So, um, if you, you know, if, if people don't have the courage to um, investigate it and to stand up for what, you know, they believe is the truth, um, then, you know, what's to stop it being my son, right? Or yours, if you have oh, one. Totally. Yeah, I'm, I'm reading these comments here. Uh, Lara, you'll find great support by doing stories on men's rights. <laughs> Yeah, that doesn't that does not get covered in in the mainstream news. Yeah, and I'm actually gonna I'm gonna interview Trevor. Um, I met Good. him recently as well, so I'm gonna interview him. You know about his association with Julian Assange and then the ensuing attacks on him and Chelsea and Manning and Edward Snowden. I mean, Trevor was like he was the guy. But see, the difference. This is good for you to know before you talk to him. Two things: the difference between Trevor. And the likes of like David Brock and these other political operatives is that Trevor is an idealist and he was never, he was never, he was just, he's a good person. And he genuinely believed we have wars, uh, right? About Venezuela um, and, and subjects like that, where we, we uh, yell and scream at each other and disagree. Um, and we don't, you know, and that's how it's supposed to be, right? You don't have to agree on everything. Um, and, uh, and so the problem for Trevor was that he was never going to buy into the false Russia collusion narrative, right? Because he he wasn't going to lie. I mean, he he wasn't going to hide the truth. And that made him a massive target because he knows where a lot of the bodies are buried, right? On that side. He knows who's who. He knows how they work. He knows the tactics. He knows the history. He knows, I mean, he knows things they do not want out. And um, how do you know that? You don't have to take my word for it. Look at how they attack him still today. It has been years. And they attack him today with as much effort. Remember, there's money and effort behind those attacks and organization, right? If um, in fact, one of the best indicators for whether or not something is worth listening to and considering and, you know, evaluating and vetting and so on is the level, the degree of effort involved in trying to suppress it because nobody puts that much effort into things that are not true or that don't somehow um, threaten them. Oh, are you still there? Right. You just uh, cut out. Do you have me back? Okay. Oh. There you are. Um, I know. How do you stop people texting you when you're doing interviews? I I don't know. I don't know. I and how I, do you stop I, calls coming in? My key. Uh, I did a huge interview with Dr. Uh, Robert Malone uh, with the, <laughs> the 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 needle technology. I can't talk about these code words on YouTube. But anyway, and I was getting texts the whole time. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> but yeah. So I. So basically, you're saying it's up in the air. I, I want to get back to, Can to you. Can you hear me? 
Yeah, I can I can hear you Uh-oh. fine. Can you hear me? I am so like how did I lose so you? Hold on. Do you still see me? Yeah, I can see you. Can you uh see and Damn hear it. me? Did oh. I I did not mean to say that. Sorry. I I can see okay. you. Can Maybe you see I, and hear me? Oh, I'm back. Okay. With camera and audio. Okay. Um, How did I get to the settings? Oh, I'm back. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I can, Whoops. I can see and hear you. So, so gosh, I wanted like, to get back to I'm you. Your worst interview all, subject. Why can't I hear you anymore? Uh, I I don't know. I can. Does it mess everything up if I log back you. in? Can you guys see and hear me? Um, I think. Uh, can you hear me? <laughs> say you want me to log back in say yes or no um sure yes yeah okay yeah. i'm logging back in hold on that i can do okay guys so we'll wrap it up with lara when she gets back on let me know if you guys can hear me okay um so it sounds like sounds like it's okay up in the air with now Paul. let me hear you can you hear me damn can you hear me it's still i still don't hear you okay um, well, oh, because you know why it just brought me say, straight back into the same thing. Hold on. Hmm. Gosh. Now you see so the whole, I'm exposed. Were... My complete and utter lack of technical. So the viewers can see and Look, I'm trying to log out. I can't even do that. Oh, wait. Okay. So hopefully she gets back on. Um, so, so basically it sounds like Fox is in this little pickle that it has created for itself by caring too much what everyone else thinks. So there was all this gossip about, about Fox after she made those comments about Fauci. But if Fox, uh, does away with her, then they're in more trouble with their viewers because the viewers like Lara. Okay. I think she's back. I'm Can back. You <laughs> Can you see and hear me? Okay. Yeah. Okay, so you. you may have heard what I just said of like getting back to you. I think Fox has created this little pickle for itself of like, well, we don't like the gossip. Uh, we don't like the headlines after Lara's comments about Fauci. But also if we if we get rid of her, then there's more headlines and then we're in more trouble because viewers going to be mad that we got rid of you. Um, as they, as they should be. I mean, so anyway, Fox is in this little thing of like, Oh, what's going to cause us less drama. It seems like that's where it's <laughs> at right now that you're kind of in the limbo. Is that what's going on? You know, it's interesting. I don't really know, to be honest, because, you know, I'm, I'm not on their payroll. So I, you know, I'm not in, in communication, uh, with them. But, you're, um, but I mean, you get paid by Fox Nation. And no, my contract, my old uh, contract, uh, well, that, you know, the last contract actually um, was, it's complicated, but because it, um, I was never, I've never been hired by Fox Nation. I was paid through a production company. And, um, and, um, and so, uh, you know, we were we were talking about uh, my coming on board directly with Fox Nation, and uh, we um, are still working that out. You know, it may happen, it may not happen. I don't know, but um, I think the truth is, as much as I would love, 
you know, I mean, it would be the greatest thing if there was a, you know, a, a nationwide uproar, <laughs> you know, if I'm not on uh, their air. I think the truth is that to a degree, I know I just, everyone's expendable. I hate to say it, right? And so um, while people may uh, not agree with it or maybe not like it or um, how many of them will actually stop watching Fox? I don't know the answer to that. I think that there just really has never been a lot of, uh, options on, um, you know, of different viewpoints. And for people who feel that the mainstream media and much of, you know, the rest of the media doesn't um, represent uh, them at all, um, then, uh, you know, there's, Fox has been around a long time and um, they have a lot of, they have a lot of, of great hosts who, and, and anchors and journalists who have very loyal followings. I mean, um, and so I think those those things will survive, right? I'm just um, I'm just very Fox realistic. Scared right now that I think Fox is scared that they're going to go back to a year ago today when uh, Newsmax overtook them in the well, ratings for the first time uh, after they had done some strange things for over a matter of months that weirded the viewers out from uh, muzzling uh, Newt Ging- Gingrich live on air because yes, I saw that. Yeah, and then uh, and then the election coverage got weird, and uh, and these Fox just yes seem self anymore. Um, well, um, no, that there's uh, they, you, you're not wrong. One, Fox proceeded over the course of 2021 to do so much PR work for itself. They were the primary sponsors of CPAC and Turning Point, and uh, and mm. tried to win back their conservative base, and. Uh, and when I was invited to speak about my story within Fox Corp, you know, I was in the Fox TV station's arm. Yes. Of Fox Corp. And by the way, I, I had uh, that what you did, that was, I don't know. Can you say ballsy on YouTube? Because that was really, that took a lot of courage. And I was, I was impressed. I mean, uh, you know, there's something about that, like really doing that in that moment and on air and, Right. You know, when all the people who can be mad at you are right there in front of you. Right. You're confronting it. Mm-hmm. You're not hiding from it. You're not doing it from a distance. That took real courage. And I, I have a lot of respect for you. Thank you. And the only reason I did that was because this it, my work was for the viewers. <laughs> it applied to the viewers. If I was doing some uh, work that was out, outside of the public eye that didn't influence the viewers, then I would have handled my business with my boss. But I was like, if I'm I want to leave this company and I, and the reason is directly involving the viewers. So they deserve to know the truth as I leave. Um, but amazing. So me telling telling my true story about Fox at a Fox sponsored event, CPAC. Wow. Created. That's that's huge. There were, there, there was so much drama after that. I went on to get canceled by turning point because Fox was the primary sponsor of turning point. Oh, Three point bans me. <laughs> so anyway, there. This is the and these are the efforts that Fox has gone through to try to convince viewers that it's it's uh, this big this conservative company. Now they have great on air talent, right? But the tip top bosses who I don't know what they're up to, you know, with with the way they choose to shut certain people down. Well, it should you know, it should come as no surprise to you. I live in a small town in Texas. And uh, that's probably like the safest uh, spot for me, you know, with any employer, because, um, 
I, you, nobody owns me. Yeah. Nobody owns me. And, uh, and yeah. And, uh, you know, and that is a real thing. That's not some like, you know, slogan I came up with. That's, uh, that's really and truly who I am. And, uh, you know, does it make my life a lot easier if I can, uh, work for Fox? So I get to reach a lot of people and, uh, work with some really great people, by the way, and do work like uh, on our show, um, Laura Logan has no agenda. You know, I mean, we did some really, we've done some really, really, really strong, uh, uh, stories there. Um, and even, even if I say it, that's, you know, that's very, it was very significant reporting. So, um, you gotta remember, like, you know, I was at 60 minutes, right? I was the chief foreign correspondent and the chief foreign affairs correspondent for CBS. I was a correspondent at 60 minutes. I mean, you can't even begin to imagine right? Begin to imagine. Those are the hallowed halls um, at that network. And uh, I came into that and I, uh, you know, in many ways I was tortured, right? Because a woman that looked like me didn't do war reporting at that time. You know, women who didn't, who weren't American or Canadian did not make it onto network news, let alone the flagship, flagship broadcast. Um, and, and so, uh, and I was there for 16 years and I've been a journalist for 35 years at this point in my life. Since I was 17 years old, there's, you know, there's nothing else I've ever done. This is who I am. It's the, it's the air that I breathe. It's in my DNA. It's just who I am. And so, um, I mean, I will tell you that you reach a lot of people on Fox, you know, that, um, and I go all over this country and I have so many people, um, that reach out to me, um, because of that. And I, um, and I appreciate having, having that, uh, platform, the ability to reach so many people. But at the end of the day, you said it's about the viewers. It, it is. Um, and what is it you owe the viewers? You owe them the truth. And that's what I really work for, right? I work uh, to find out to the best of my ability what the truth is. And now that I'm so old and I've been doing this for so long, there's pieces of that experience that I can bring together. And nobody can take away um, the truth. They can't take it away. You know, they can write as many articles as they like saying that I'm some darling of the right and I'm some this and I'm some that. And it just doesn't matter. What's their favorite smear? Oh, yeah. She used to be such a great journalist. Now she's a troll. Now she's a conspiracy theorist. Now she's a right-wing, you know, lunatic, whatever, whatever. I mean, uh, they, there isn't, there's nothing they haven't tried to tie me to. Someone even said that I was going to a fun conference. You know, and I just, um, I see these attacks, honestly, as an opportunity to expose these people because um, this country today is in a very different position uh, to what it was like when I was attacked over my Benghazi reporting, right? I mean, people's eyes have been opened. They have seen cancel culture at its very worst and they know what it is and they recognize the tactics. So now you've got what even Hispanic uh, people or black people are being called white supremacists because uh, the narratives are so thin the lies have no legs and they, they actually don't have that many false narratives in their playbook because they keep playing them over and over and over again. Here's the next one, right? Oh, what did I see in Newsweek? Oh, that insurrection is the new kind of chic of the rights. I mean, what a load of nonsense. 
What does that even mean? It's ridiculous. They're so desperate to create an insurrection or a civil war or some kind of pretext for conflict. You know, one of the greatest lies being perpetuated across the media spectrum today is that veterans are ready to pick up arms and go to war. Does any any moron who spent four and a half seconds with a veteran can tell you that they sign up to defend the Constitution of the United States of America. Their loyalty and their oath, their actual oath, which they take, by the way, is to the Constitution. That is who they serve. They serve the Republic. So whether it's a Democrat or Republican in power, it doesn't matter. And there is no veteran that is going to violate that oath and the Constitution and take up arms and go to war at home. That is a false narrative. It is a false flag. It is another desperate attempt to push uh, the country in a bad direction to further divide Americans and also to prove the lies of January 6th and all this white supremacy nonsense. Um, uh, and I'm not saying that they don't exist. I'm just saying that the the smear that they are somehow there's this, you know, uh, that that honestly, a bunch of people um, take pictures of themselves and post them on Facebook and they go to the Capitol and this is somehow an insurrection to threaten the democracy. How? So what, where were the, where was their army? Where were their troops? Where were the weapons? Where, you know, um, where were the weapons? By the way, and, and all those people have been charged. How many have been charged with violent crimes? And how many were FBI agents and informants? How many agitators were there? How many incited them? Whose idea was it? I mean, you know, was it entrapment? I mean, we know there's a degree of entrapment, but was the whole thing entrapment? You know, it's not easy to find some idiot who's going to go along with this uh, terrible idea. And it doesn't mean that there there weren't reprehensible aspects of what happened on January 6th. But now what am I going to have an army of uh, attackers now? Because they're going to attack me for Fauci. They're going to attack me for January 6th. They're going to attack me for, you know, what I uh, said about uh, the Lincoln Memorial or whatever else. I mean, it's... Um, it's ridiculous. And um, I just don't, I, I don't care about the attacks. They are, I welcome them. I welcome them. Bring it on. Because every time you attack, you expose yourselves and you expose the tactics that you use. You expose the false narratives and millions, millions of Americans and millions of people all over the world see through it. They really do. And so the more you do it, the more exposed you are, the less effective those tactics ultimately become. So, uh, you know, and I really don't mind. Um, I really don't mind an, an opportunity to show people that I mean what I say. You know, I'm willing to pay a price for my principles. Are you? I sure am. <laughs> I know I you are. <laughs> you have no, already. And, I, and because I'm the same way, I, I do not care. And that's what stunned me the most last summer when when I first got in trouble with Fox is that it started with a with a gossip art article. My bosses were up in arms over. Well, they weren't up in arms. They said that the tip the the top Fox Corp bosses were up in arms over a gossip article about me that falsely smeared me in regards to the treatment for the illness. And, uh, and I think this is, this is like mm -hmm. one of the things that is destroying American journalism the most right now is that these media corporations care way too, th too much what each other thinks. And if one writes a gossip article about the other, then we've got to discipline this, this journalist, no matter what, mm -hmm. even though they don't deserve it, 
And so, and so every journalist lives in fear of, a, of someone gossiping about them and they end up caring way too much. What yes. Thinks because they know it can really end, land, uh, end with the end of their career. Well, you know what that's called? What, what happens in that situation is we self-censor, right? That's we avoid those stories. We avoid those subjects. We, we just don't go there um, because we're afraid. And um, the truth is that uh, we all have fear. You know, um, someone really famous, I should remember, but um, I'm losing my mind half the time. Uh, somebody said once that courage is not the absence of fear. It is acting in the presence of fear. And, um, you know, some people just don't have the ability if you're, you know, you're the breadwinner and, um, people are relying on you. You don't necessarily have the ability to risk everything. Some people just lack the moral courage. Some people, you know, we know that there are more followers than leaders. These are called naturally existing conditions, right? So what they've learned how to do very effectively is they make the price of standing up so high that they know it will bring out the naturally existing conditions in our nature and that most people will choose to go along with it rather than oppose it. That's why to me, you know, there was a mother um, in California when that teacher put the Antifa flag up in the classroom and this mother, um, she went in and addressed the school board and she was probably the most powerful uh, figure in that um, in getting them to fire that teacher and take down that flag and remove that um, influence from the classroom. And i never forget this woman standing there at the microphone with her daughter behind her. And she says to the school board, do you know why my daughter is behind me? Because it's my job to protect her. It's not yours, right? It's my job to protect her. And that is what I'm doing right here. And she talked about how in just a matter of weeks, her daughter was saying things that she had never in her life heard from her and behaving in a way that she had never, ever seen. And, you know, that is, well, I'm a mama bear. Okay. And I'm a mother and, and I'm a mother first. So obviously this is really um, close to my heart. Um, however, look at the attacks on the nuclear family today. Look at the attacks on what have they done? You know, you don't even have a birth gender anymore. You're, you're cisgender, right? Because we have to take birth out of it because we don't want you to know the difference between what is real and what is not real. So they do it with Antifa. Oh, no, it's not real. It's just a myth. Oh, but I'm looking at it. I can see the black box. They're, they're literally are rioting. Uh, no, 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 no. That's not what you see. Uh, what? Don't believe your eyes, right? It's the same thing. This person standing in front of me looks like a woman. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't make that kind of assumption. This could be a man. It could be a woman. It could be a this, it could be a that. You know, maybe they changed their gender 50 times in one day. I, I watched a TikTok video about that once, My, uh, you know. So, it, but the th constant theme behind it is that you cannot trust what you know to be real. The other theme behind it is isolating. It is dividing and isolating us from each other. What do we do when there's no shared understanding of who we are and how to interact? What do we do? We isolate. It's the same way we do with the masks, right? We draw inwards. And what do they do with lockdowns and all of these things? We draw inwards. And so what you see is the same tactics being used over and over and over again. We self-censor because we're afraid, afraid of losing everything, afraid of being shunned. And, uh, we, we lie, 
because people come up to me and whisper in my ear all the time, I love you on box, you know, and uh, they don't want to say that out loud because goodness, we don't, you know, oh, we don't want to be seen as one of those people, right? And if you go back to Hillary Clinton's speech in the 2016 election campaign, remember when she made the deplorable speech and afterwards they tried to pretend, oh, she, she, you know, she misspoke or she overreached and she, you know, we didn't mean that. Hmm, really? Go down the target list. Because those narratives and those themes, those are the people um, that they have targeted over and over and over again. They've tried to say everyone is xenophobic. If you, if you want to talk about border security, you're xenophobic. You're racist, right? If you want to talk about, um, if you don't, you know, we want to talk about whether transgender people should be in women's sport or maybe they should have their own sport, right? Or whether they should be in a bathroom with uh, young girls or young boys for that matter. Oh, you're homophobic. No, you're not, right? There's a militancy um, behind these movements that exploits the people, the real issues and the truly vulnerable people, right? Um, they exploit it for political gain and they don't do it for to, to solve the issue or to address the injustices of the past or to make it right or to make it better. They do it to destroy they do it for absolute and total power and control. And that is being exposed, you know, at, at just across the board. So we're in a race now. This is an information war, but it's a race to see, uh, really, when you look at how fast these lies are collapsing with the natural passage of time, and you know how much power and money these people have, you really start to wonder how much time do we have? Because with the price, you know, we're committing energy suicide, right? And the price of natural gas is pushing the price of fertilizer to just, you know, to really um, astronomical levels, which is putting food production, agriculture at risk. If we go into a global famine, look how quickly they're going to have us eating beyond meat, for example, right? What do they mean beyond meat? What is beyond meat? What is the world beyond meat? It's beyond agriculture as well, apparently, because if you don't even, if you can't even uh, grow crops, we're all going to be forced. Look at the huge investment in these fake meat um, plants and companies right now, hundreds of millions of dollars suddenly going into them, mm. right? And so if we head into a global famine, when the world's economies are, are collapsing, we've got a supply chain crisis, right? And we have open borders. There's no sovereignty is no longer respected. Now, uh, migration is a human right. And suddenly, in order to save the planet from this undefined or inaccurately defined, you know, threat from the climate, we're going to have 1.2 billion refugees exercising their human right to migrate, which supersedes any nation's right to sovereignty. What are we heading into? It's, it's not hard to see that we're heading into a world where technology is our police, right? And social services are the brown shirts and the SS and the NGOs, right, have that ability because look at the role that they're playing now. They don't want the police. Oh, no, we should have social services come in, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, how is that going to work out? Look at these cities where crime is through the roof. They're not, they're not stepping back. They're not saying, oh, no, wait a minute. We, um, Oh, again. Did we lose you again? Did you lose me again? Here I'm back. Can you? Yeah. They're not saying, oh, wait a minute. No, we need to address. We need, uh, you know, some of them, very few are saying, oh, we need to refund the police. What most of them are doing is just pressing forward. Because if the penal system collapse, the, the police system, the justice system, if all these things collapse, if the global supply chain collapses, 
well, what can you do out of the ashes? You can create the world you want. And that is a world we can already see what it's going to look like because um, the dollar, you know, the dollar and the pound, these currencies that have nothing behind them, right? They're just paper that's printed. They've lost 99% of their value. And, uh, and there is a lot of evidence that there is a move to replace them with digital currency. That's why we need a digital identity and a digital wallet. It's why we have to be vaccinated because we're moving into a world in which technology will be used to control everything that we say and do. Our access to food, our access to society, our access to each other. I mean, you name it, whatever it is. And where um, we'll be rewarded, right, by being able to go into the digital space, the metaverse. Think what can be possible in the metaverse. You know, if you have a child that died in real life, well, in the metaverse, they can still live, right? You never get fat in the metaverse. You never age in the metaverse. You, um, if you're an architect, as you speak, AI can create a model of your design and alter it however you see fit. I mean, these things, they, they use scientists and anthropologists, behavioral scientists. They actually... Uh, you know, there's real science uh, that goes into creating the addiction that we experience. Here's my very loud and dying cat, by the way. Bert, come on. You can't do that to me. Wait, Bertie. Come on, Bertie. Here's Bert. He's our neighbor's cat that we inherited during the winter storm. And he's like 21 years old. And he doesn't like it if he <laughs> can't get his food. But so, but what, what are they doing? They create an actual endorphin release, just like narcotics, that ultimately, this is what cyber, um, real, you know, really credible, really good cyber people that I've been working with for years now tell me, we're going into a world where the endorphin release, the addiction that is created, the experience that we have in the digital world um, cannot be matched in real life. It will dwarf anything that we feel. And so we crave that experience, right? So we can be, be controlled by living in this uh, world where, oh, wait, we don't know where reality begins and ends. And uh, that doesn't sound uh, like a very pleasant world to me. I don't know about you, but I'm not that interested. There's already so many people addicted to the digital world right now. Yeah, so many. Video games and porn. Mm-hmm. And, and not to mention social media that they're addicted to. But yeah, this uh, this idea of, of meta, the new Facebook, which is meta, is um, mm. really eyebrow raising, interesting to think about. the future. Terrifying to think about. And, you know, they want us to believe we're powerless and that you can't stop it. Because what do we do then? We surrender. And they need you to surrender because it's very difficult to conquer everybody. You can't. That's why these systems have to be enforced. That's why you need brown shirts and SS, right? Because you never have a situation where everybody goes along with it. What happens in socialism? Well, everyone sees some animals are more equal than others. And so there are people that become dissatisfied with that, right? And what happens to them? Well, look at China. They go into re-education camps, re-education camps. I mean, outrageous, right? We say nothing about that. I mean, have you seen these videos uh, online? Oh, now it's my, now it's my puppy. And sorry. <laughs> Cute dog too. Yeah. yeah. They miss you. It's been, it, the, the interview went longer, longer than expected, I guess. Um, well, 
But these are so many fascinating topics and um, hopefully topics that you will tackle in some upcoming segments if Fox Nation will even allow you. But I'm sure you're going to tackle these regardless of Fox. I I am. I'm just going to keep being a journalist uh, for anyone who will let me. And uh, I've been lucky to work um, uh, for Finley at Fox Nation. He's been uh, really an extraordinary uh, boss. He's a great journalist. And, um, and it, and, you know, people will, they can doubt it if they want, but you know, um, the whole team that worked on the show knows that we were given uh, complete editorial freedom and nobody ever, um, tried to manipulate or alter or censor us until now. <laughs> and, the, but this is how it works. This is really how it works. I think that I mean, I think most journalists do self-censor to a certain extent because they know that there's there's that that line somewhere that nobody's quite sure where it is, but they're afraid of it. Mm-hmm. And then eventually you inadvertently end up crossing it like like I did last year, like maybe you did last month. And <laughs> and then you just and that's the 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 crooked thing about the corporate news is that they 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 get to decide when they they randomly decide when you've crossed that line and then they, they try to destroy you as a journalist. Um, and I just think it's so much better on the, on on the other side. So that's what, that's why, that's why we need to uh, reduce the the cost to people of standing up, right? People like you, your success, Ivory and your courage. And I'm not saying that honestly to flatter you. I, I really do mean it, but your, um, your poise and, uh, and your grace in uh, moving on and finding your own way and, and so on and so on, that shows people that there is life after corporate death, right? And these things, they, they really do matter because um, if people think, if you just disappear, right? And if I just disappear and, and we, we die some lonely, miserable death, dreaming of the career that once was, then uh, other people, you know, are not encouraged to stand up. Um, and I, I really think there's a lot of, um, there's a lot to be said. Uh, I, I would never say that everything I ever did in the corporate media, my whole career, right. Was, uh, for nothing. Um, there's just certain realities. I think you need, you need as much of it as possible. You need, you know, you need to keep the corporate media on their toes, but also some of the new media can also learn, uh, from, corporate media because when you come in from the wilderness and you've never worked in in that world how do you know where some of those lines are right how do you how do you make some of those difficult ethical decisions i mean i'm talking about when it's done the way it should be done right, right. not when it's done you know in horrible uh, political terms um and uh and believe me you know um i have my own story to tell of that with benghazi and um but but if you reduce that price, what you do is you create a much uh, more, a much better naturally existing human condition, which is that since it's going to cost me less, more people will be willing to stand up. Yes, I, I think so. I hope that I hope that my story um, encourages others. And actually, I've talked to some who were encouraged to kind of do their own thing. I've talked so, to lots of people have mentioned you and April Moss to me. You know, a lot of people were very moved by that. And by the way, you know, 
Um, look at people like Project Veritas and James O'Keefe, who has become an extraordinary uh, journalist. And yet, uh, you know, he's still got the gray lady, right? The New York Times sort of patronizing him and uh, and uh, just trying to discredit him and, and um, really, really, really uh, applying a standard that is quite extraordinary where he's not allowed. They won't acknowledge that he's a journalist. Yeah. Uh, and yet... Uh, they they would call some of the things that they've done journalism, uh, you right. know, that are just, you know, abject, you know, uh, disinformation and political operations. Right. I mean, it's, it's a right wing activist group. So yeah. I'm going to start calling the New York Times a left wing activist group. That's really what they are. <laughs> um, yeah, actually, you know what? That's uh, that's pretty good. Now, unfortunately, you know, I do have a lot of loyalty and respect uh, for some of the journalists that I know uh, and have known there over the years and some of the photographers, I mean, Zhao Silva, Tyler Hicks, these people, you know, are just some of the best ever. And Rich Oppel, uh, a great New York Times writer, not the only one, Carlotta Gall. Um, it's such a shame to me. It's such a shame to me because I do agree with you. They are now, uh, you know, have been reduced to a left-wing um, activist operation and and even you know sometimes worse than that right because uh, they just destroy people with impunity and they think that they have a right to do that and it's um, it's so fundamentally wrong um, that uh, it can't continue yeah and hopefully it won't well what's next for you then what's next well I am going to um, I am going to write a book on Afghanistan and the true story um, of um, America's um, disastrous um, betrayal. It will come as no surprise to anyone familiar with my reporting that uh, the working title is Betrayed. Um, and this is a very important book to me, but um, I'm also going to continue to work with um, a group of journalists from Nigeria um, in an organization called Rural Watch, who are living in these isolated villages in the killing fields of Christians in uh, across northern Nigeria. These are some of, they're some of the greatest journalists I have ever encountered in my entire career and uh really breathtakingly humble and brave um everything that i i personally believe we all aspire to be as journalists and um i did a an episode on the genocide of christians in nigeria and i did it with the help of uh doug burton an american journalist who helped to um found and really um manage uh and help and support the journalists of Rural Watch. And there you can read them in Epoch Times uh, newspaper, another great paper, by the way, a lot of good people there doing um, some really, really important work. They did great work on Russia collusion. And so I, you know, I want, I am at my best when I can be a vehicle and a voice for these people. They have an extraordinary story to tell. They are the eyes and ears of a world that just doesn't care and where they are living you know uh, one of the first villages was attacked on 9 11 20 years ago right on the exact same day and over the next 20 years more than 70,000 christians have been slaughtered in those villages from that one village is, was the is the operational base 
and uh, they call it the watchtower in the Fulani language, and um, uh, because it's on this high ground. And it's just incredible to me that you have journalists living on absolutely next to nothing. I mean, when I say in poverty, in poverty, right, um, who risk everything. One of them, Luca Benayat, is in prison right now. These people, um, I mean, as I said before, I am South African. So for me, Africa is, um, it's in my soul, my heart. And I have just a great love of the place that uh, has taught me so much, that defines so much of who I am. And I have a, a I am not going to rest until these people, and by the way, other Afghan journalists, um, I mean, the just hundreds of Afghan journalists we abandoned, many of whom uh, have been hunted, some tortured, um, some killed, right? Um, I, I mean, that's going to be, this is going to be my real life's work, to continue to report, because I want to be a living, breathing example of real journalism, but also to create um, uh, an independent platform and, and ways for people like uh, that who haven't had the benefit of my experience or opportunities and so on and so on, right, for their voices to be elevated and to reach more people. And uh, so there's, you know, there's films and books and um, shows. I'm going to be doing something on the border with Jason Jones, one of the best voices out there on the border. He's on OAN. They're lucky to have him. And I've done a number of stories uh, with him and a lot of work with Jason. He's become a really good friend too. Um, and so, and the border, you know, is, uh, I mean, it's breathtaking that there's no coverage or next to no coverage. Absolutely breathtaking because that is a catastrophic situation. And, uh, you know, in the last month, um, fentanyl overdoses became the leading cause of death for 18 to 45 year olds in this country. And you have an open border. Are you surprised? I mean, come on, right? That's just one part of the border. Um, you know, there's a principle here. We have an open border administration run running this open border policy that nobody voted on. They just bypassed Congress bypass the American people and uh, they're covering it up. So, you know, that, um, and they, what they do to sidestep that conversation is they define the border only in terms of immigration. And by the way, that's both sides, right? Republican and Democrat do that. And um, what that has done to national security and what that is doing to us and what, where that is going to lead is very, very significant. And the tactics that they've used, you know, They've never acknowledged it as a crisis because it is the policy they want. It is the outcome they want. Same with Afghanistan, right? They had the outcome they wanted. They gave, they created the biggest narco-terrorist state in the world. That was the outcome they wanted because there's 400,000 things they could have done to change that. And they've never done one of them. Not one. And I don't mean go to war or endless war or boots on the ground. I mean, just for, just for starters, you could uh, use stealth drones, UAV, uh, you know, stealth UAVs, thermal technology to destroy every single armored vehicle and aircraft in and weapon that the Taliban has. Not every single, you know, pistol or whatever, but big uh, weapon systems. Um, that could have been done 
uh, in the blink of an eye. We, you know, every military person I speak to and, uh, and I know a lot and, and engage with a lot, um, says we have never used more than 10% of our advanced military capability in Afghanistan. And, uh, that in itself is a, is a real question that we as journalists should be asking. Right. So there's too much, um, uh, there's too much to do uh, for me to step back. And also, it's um, it's what I was born to do. So I wouldn't really do anything else unless they offered me Alex Trebek's job. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then I would do that <laughs> and go sit on a beach somewhere with my children. And then pina coladas. Yeah. Well, you got to have a little balance, you know. Last week, I decided to try it journalism from the beach (laughs) 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 from the beach and that was nice but yeah i agree there's so much to cover right now it's concerning times in our world um and i really thank you for your time uh that you've spent with me your wealth of knowledge i'm reading the comments the viewers love you um and i think i guess we'll have to wait and see if Fox Nation has you back on, I think that'll be really dumb of them not to. I think they'll lose viewers for it, and they probably know that too. So <laughs> they might not care. They just might not care. You know, I mean, uh, sixty minutes was my uh, was my family, right? I mean, those guys I worked with um, and girls. I mean, we were like a real team. I mean, you imagine I, I lived five years in Iraq. Mm-hmm. Right. We were in Afghanistan and Iraq and Darfur. And I mean, they were with me in Egypt. Right. When I was gang raped and sodomized and almost beaten to death. So um, that was like peeling off my skin <laughs> when I when I uh, uh, had to, you know, separate from all of that. And so um, I, I I've learned the hard way. And uh, I, I, I just think this is a. It's a great opportunity. Once again, people can see who I am and what I'm made of. And, you know, what you see is what you get, like it or not. I love that. Well, I'm excited to see uh, what you cover next. I think you got to do that feature on Anthony Fauci. And really uh-huh. Dig yeah. fully into what you were mentioning in that. Oh, um, I, I will tell you, I will promise you this. I will promise you this. Women in Africa after they gave birth, if they were HIV positive, their immune systems would plummet. And that's when the virus would take hold. Mm -hmm. And in places like Malawi and the villages, women died of thrush, of thrush, okay, where they couldn't move their legs even a millimeter because it was agony. These were long, slow, agonizing deaths. We're talking about, I think at one point there were 39 million women and children in Africa that were HIV positive. And I don't even know, I'm not saying that that was the peak or, you know, I just know, I just know, I remember that at a time when I was reporting. And um, I remember being in the graveyard, you know, uh, I was lucky enough to grow up um, under, in the time of Nelson Mandela and the struggle against apartheid. And so protest was very much part of the, you know, my world growing up. And, um, when I was in the, that graveyard, well, several graveyards in South Africa covering um, HIV, you will remember maybe some in your audience that many of the men denied that they had HIV, right? Because it was very difficult for African men to acknowledge this and to be responsible for it. And so the women, what they would do 
is they would take all the little plastic bottles of antiretrovirals that the hospitals and the doctors would give them. And when their babies died, they would put those as markers on their graves. Mm. So all across the graveyards, you would see these little piles of plastic bottles with dirt, you know, growing over and, and, and plants growing over them. And um, that should not ever be forgotten. And it needs to be fully understood. We need, as much as we already know, so much of that uh, history has been lost and um, forgotten and disregarded. And um, one of my personal missions is through, um, through powerful storytelling and honest journalism to fight for the people that I grew up with and the place where I grew up, where I was born, the soil that really gave birth to me. And um, because I have been given so much and taught so much by them. And, um, and that is not something I'm going to rest until, um, until we really see a real accounting for that, because that is the suffering of millions of people. And once again, today, it is the suffering of millions of people. Right. Well, all the best in everything that you continue to cover. And thank you so much for your time on my YouTube today. Well, I'll be seeing you again, Ivory. Yes. You know, we'll be doing more things together. We'll do Let's some stuff do. together. Let's do a lot together. Let's do yes. journalism together. The comment section is asking for part two on YouTube. <laughs> oh. oh, goodness. Um, yeah, but I appreciate, I really appreciate your time. And let's talk soon. And Anytime. it's really nice to meet you in per or face to face because I know we've texted, but we never. Yes. Yes. Well, thank you. Thank you uh, for what you did. Really. Thank you for showing, um, you know, the world what's possible. Right. Well, thank you for actually, you know, accurately seeing what I did and, and seeing through the, the stupid headlines about me. <laughs> oh, you know, that, it didn't even take half a second. When it comes to stubborn belly fat, we're all searching for a miracle pill. Generally, you have to use multiple products that target belly fat differently to manage excess weight around the stomach. Some products may focus on abdominal exercises or dietary changes, while others might focus on boosting metabolism or controlling cravings. But believe it or not, I may have found a solution that removes the need for juggling through multiple weight management products. It's called Belly Trim, and it's more effective at targeting belly fat, enhancing metabolism, and promoting a toned midsection better than most weight management products I've seen typically found on store shelves. Tens of thousands of five-star reviews back up the notion that Belly Trim is not only a breakthrough in a bottle, but that it also removes the need for us to use countless diet pills and fat-burning supplements. But there's more. If you place your order for Belly Trim now, you'll also receive 51% off free VIP live health and fitness coaching for life, two free new ebooks titled Top 10 Foods That Burn Belly Fat, and Top 10 Exercises to Reduce Belly Fat, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee, and last but not least, free shipping. Simply go to www.trimwithus.com. That's www.trimwithus.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's www.trimwithus.com. Order now. Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. Talk to enough people, and you'll soon realize nearly everyone's shocked at their recent electricity bills. Some studies reveal energy costs have skyrocketed by as high as 60% in as little as two years. That's why tens of thousands are installing this magical little device from SavePowerBills.com to help slash their energy bills. This sophisticated gadget stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your appliances and electronics. Simply plug it into your home's 
Homes Wall Outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Countless five-star reviews back up the notion that this device is one of the most efficient ways to save money while beating the greedy power companies. But there's more. If you order now, you'll also receive 65% off, fast shipping within the USA, hassle-free returns, and last but not least, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee. Just go to SavePowerBills.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's SavePowerBills.com. 